I've spoken about that before, haven't we? I'm going to speak about it from a different angle again today. And really, this is kind of like the conclusion of this wee series of messages. And really, today is kind of where I wanted to finish off. Uh, just can I say there's a crash for the under threes. It's for under threes, remember. Uh, there's limited space up there, so it is for the under threes because um, they really struggle to kind of sit through my boring preaching. So, but we've been looking at the subject of wisdom, and the last thing that I want to think about is winning souls. He who wins souls is wise. That's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 11.30, it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Said by Solomon, the wisest king who ever lived, and uh, he tells us that people who win souls are wise. You know, the Bible uh, has lots of different ways for us to think about what it means to, to win souls. One of them is about gathering in a harvest. And so if you look around just now, uh, the fields are ripe for harvest, aren't they? Have you seen that? The fields are ripe for harvest. And I remember uh, a long time ago, we used to sing a wee song called Bringing in the Sheaves. Does anybody remember that? One of, if you're young, you won't remember that song, and that's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, if you've not been brought up in church, you'll not have a clue what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Um, but we used to sing this song, uh, Bringing in the Sheaves, and I think at one time, uh, we had a, a small group in our house in Hart Hill. Um, I was preschool. I was probably about two or three, I don't know, three. Um, and this, I think this song was being sung in the small group uh, in my parents' house, and I grabbed my grandfather's hat and went round to take in the collection while people were singing. So, started off early. Um, what we give to God is, is really important, isn't it? Um, but there's something, there's something about that whole notion about bringing in sheaves that has really gripped me even since I was a child. The importance of people coming to know Jesus. So important. And... Uh, this is, this is what Jesus actually said in Matthew 9, 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What do you see when you see the crowds and what does it do within you? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. A prayer that I'm still praying today, that God will send out harvesters and not combine harvesters, okay? That's a different subject. People harvesters, okay? And we'll think a bit more about this. This theme is, is in a few places in the Bible. Um, it says in Daniel, uh, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. An angelic visitation, Daniel has this revelation, and as he is in front of this angel, this is what the angel says to him. Daniel, if you look at what happened here, let me read a few verses to give you context. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the river, the, uh, the great river, the Tigris, and I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, uh, which speaks of righteousness, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. 
His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. His visitation. Why? Because he was in that place where he was before God. It tells us that he mourned and fasted for three weeks. Not a total fast, but a partial fast. And there's something about Daniel's heart that is really connecting with God. And that's why there's this visitation. You know, if we want to hear from God, if we want to know what God is saying, people say all the time, um, particularly people who don't believe in God, I never hear God speak to me. God's speaking all the time. We just need to be tuned in. The point is, where, where are we sitting? Where are we sitting in the room? Are we positioned in a way where we can hear what God wants to say? Um, Paul says, let me go back a, a slide, I think, to here. Paul says this, and he was a man who wanted to win people for Jesus. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew uh, to win the Jews. And to those under law, I became like one under the law. Paul's mission was to win people for Jesus. And we should be grateful for his obedience. And uh, we have all these wonderful writings from Paul. Uh, res, uh, res, uh, what's the word? Preserved for us today in, in writing. Uh, Paul was a Jew. He was brought, under, uh, brought up with a Jewish education under a man called Gamaliel. And so he wanted to relate to Jews. He, want, he knew how to relate to Jews. He knew how Jewish people thought. He knew the law and he knew inside out. But he said to the, to the Jews, he became a Jew in order to win some. It doesn't stop there though. He says, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Uh, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. It's a bit confusing this, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to stop reading it because you'll get confused just with me saying it. He's saying he's not under the law, and then he's saying he is under the law. What is it? Is he either? Is, is he... He's under the law. He's under new management. Okay, that's what he's saying. He's saying the Jewish people are all about this observance of the law to the letter, okay? And it's very religious. And what he's saying is that there are people who don't know anything about the law, and I need to be able to relate to them as well. I need to be able to say something to them that will help them to grasp who God is. And what he's saying is I'm not bound by that. The Bible says that we're not subject to the law, but we're under God's grace. We're under new management, subject to His grace, Jesus' law. And Paul didn't compromise his faith. He didn't compromise the gospel because it's very easy to say, okay, if we're, if we're not under law, then we can kind of do whatever we like. Is that, is that true? If the law doesn't matter, we can just do whatever we like. Well, try telling that to the policeman who stops you for doing 60 miles an hour and 30 miles an hour limit. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm not under law. I'm under God's grace. And God's forgiven me for doing 60 miles an hour and a 30. He'll go, okay then, here's your ticket. That'll be 60 pounds, please. We're subject to the law, the laws of the land, more subject to God's law, to obey it and to obey Him. 
So Paul is saying, I need to be able to relate to Jewish people and non-Jewish people, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I think if we to put it in simple terms, Paul is saying you need to be able to listen to and understand other people from other walks of life, from other cultures, in order that you can relate to them, in order that you might win some for Christ. We need to grasp other people's perspective sometimes. I could talk to the children about things that would just go straight over their heads. Or maybe I couldn't actually. Maybe I'm not that clever. Um, but, but do you get what I'm saying? We can talk to people and they go, what the heck are you talking about? And we can use all the spiritual words and all the jargon and all this stuff and they just go, hey, what's he talking about? You see, the I think what's important in listening, listening is part of communication. You know, the, the problem with communication is assuming that it's taking place, isn't it? It's a problem. And bad communication is all too common. I do it myself. But think about, I'm going to give you an example of bad communication, okay? Automatic washing machines. Please remove all your clothes when the light goes out. Some people are sleeping. Shall I do that again? No, I'm not going to read it again. Okay, here's a different one, okay? This is in the office, okay? After tea break, uh, staff should empty the teapot and stand upside down on the draining board. <laughs> There's a problem with the communication, isn't there? Good communication starts with good listening. And most of us aren't very good at listening. Boys and girls, are you good at listening to your mums and dads? When they tell you to get to bed, to do the dishes, to behave, to get off the Xbox because you've been on it too long, yeah, it's very easy to let it go in this ear and come straight back out that ear. How do I know? Because I used to do that as well. Good communication starts with good listening. And then Jesus himself says this, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And so they pulled the boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. He who wins souls is wise. And what Jesus was saying to these early disciples is that from now on they would catch men. Did you know that some of us were away on a fishing trip on Friday? There was a the first ever, ever, ever church fishing outing on Friday. And some people caught fish for the first time. And it was really exciting to watch them catching fish. It was so cool. But this is, I mean, fishing's a funny game. This is, some people have said some funny things about fishing. Um, an angler is a man who spends rainy days sitting around on the muddy banks of a river doing nothing because his wife won't let him do it at home. And someone else said that there's a fine line between fishing and just standing on the bank like an idiot. Uh, I've felt like that sometimes. 
standing on the bank like an idiot. I'm like, oh, these fish are just taking the mickey out of me. And then another man who said, I got a new fly rod and reel for my wife. It's the best trading I ever made. <laughs> but the key message in here is that we become fishers of men. Do you know, I remember the first time I ever caught a fish. It was a place called Morton. It's on the kind of south, southeast side of Livingston. And uh, it was probably my second or third time fishing. And here I was up in this corner. So there was a bit of wall went that way and a bit of wall went that way. And I'm in the corner fishing away and trying and trying my hardest to catch a fish. And uh, my friend, Brian, who works in Mitsubishi, and that's where we worked then, he still does, uh, he had obviously said to one or two of the people around us that it was my, my, I'd never caught a fish before. And what happened? Lo and behold, I'm fishing out. I'm giving it all uh, uh, for all I'm worth, and I'm reeling in uh, the, the line, and all of a sudden there's this almighty tug, and there's a fish on the line. And I was just so excited. And all the guys up either side of me began to clap and cheer. It's like, yay, I'm like, oh, I've caught a fish. It was such an exciting thing to happen. And if you're not into catching fish and you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Such an exciting thing, catching fish. But do you know what's more exciting? See, when people come to know Jesus for the first time, that's incredibly exciting. Because that's not just catching a fish. That's something that lasts for eternity. That's something that changes a destiny and changes it forever. He who wins souls is wise. We find it all the way through Scripture. He who wins souls is wise. And I'm going to think about what does it mean to win a soul? I remember years and years and years ago, when we were new in the church and we were uh, involved with the youth and doing all that kind of stuff, uh, and we started to get involved with an outreach called Teen Challenge. And we took a big, massive double-decker bus out into the streets of Bathgate. And uh, then we took it into Whitburn and some of our young people were involved in that team. I'll never forget that bus. It's the reason I have a bad back. It was, I mean, when you hit a bump, I used to actually come up out the seat and then come back down in the seat. <laughs> It was the most bone-shaking bus I've ever been in in my life. Um, and I could tell you loads of stories, some really interesting stories about that. But I'm not going to. I'll save them for another time. But on the bus, we had a little uh, a booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws, a little yellow booklet. Does anybody remember that, The Four Spiritual Laws? Nope. Okay, I'm on my own. Mary remembers it. That's because you were there. Well done. <laughs> And uh, in that little booklet, it gave you some basic ideas about what the gospel is and how to help people to understand that. And last year, when we got involved with the Billy Graham uh, Evangelistic Association for the Will Graham Celebration of Hope, some of us got these little things here. They're called Steps to Peace with God. One of the things I like about these is they're English English and not American English, which is really cool. Can't get them anymore. This is the updated version which I got sent some of these, but it's back to American English. I'm like, ah, what do we do? We try and find some in English English. But just let me walk through this little booklet, because it says in the Bible, he who wins souls is wise. How are we going to win a soul? We need to have relationships with people. We need to connect with people. We need to hear 
what people see. We need to understand their perspective, but we also need to know what our message is. I like this little book, and this is the same thing because in it are some key verses from the Bible that help us to understand who God is and what he has done for us. And I'm going to flick you through that. Step one, God's purpose is peace and life. Don't worry if you can't read what's up on the screen. That's all right. But it says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As I look around our world today, I think there are so many people that are searching for love and acceptance and peace. You know, we search for acceptance in all the wrong places. People put things on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and invite comments, you know, along the lines of, if you like me, press like. It's like... And people count, out, count up how many likes they get. And their sense of value and worth is dependent on how many likes they get on Facebook. Not the young people, because they don't use Facebook anymore. You've all moved on to other things, pastors new. It's all the oldies that use Facebook. <laughs> so if you're using Facebook, you're an oldie, okay? But we're looking for love, we're looking for acceptance, we're looking for peace. And the whole thing about what God is saying to the world is that His original plan is that we experience God's love, that we experience that peace, and we experience it within ourselves and those who are round about, of it, round about us. The problem is that we don't experience peace. And as you go on in this little booklet, it identifies the problem. The problem is sin, and sin separates us from a relationship with God. You see, God has made us to have a relationship with Him. The problem is that we have chose our own way of doing things, and what we thought would bring wisdom, peace, knowledge, understanding, actually brought death decay and chaos. And this is what we see in our world so often. And we don't need to look back in history to see evil either. It's present today, isn't it? We turn on the TVs, we watch the news, and we realize that we live in a world which is full of corruption, which is full of things that shouldn't happen, which is full of things that were never, ever God's plan for us. And yet we take our own path. In Romans Chapter 3, verse 23, it says there, that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard and that the wages of sin is death. The problem is that we try to fill this gap with so many things, with religion, with doing good things. How many people have you said, I hope when I get to heaven that the scale is tipped on the good side, that I've done more good things than bad things? Do you know that's not how it works? The Bible says that you're saved by grace alone, not through works. Because if it was about works, the Bible says that we could boast about it. We're not saved by works so that nobody can boast, but we're saved by God's grace. It's a gift of God. So the sin that is in our lives is the problem. The remedy is not things that we can invent to bridge that gap but the fact that God has made that way possible through Jesus' death and through his resurrection. Jesus took, his, took our sins upon himself so that in believing in him, we can have that burden of sin removed from us. Remember, 
maybe a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, I talked about that, that uh, image from Pilgrim's Progress where he's got this big burden in his back and he's carrying it around and he's trying to get rid of it and he tries everything he can do to get rid of it. He can't get rid of it and he feels this weight all the time everywhere he goes. It's not until he comes to the cross that that burden falls off and he is free to be the person that God calls him to be. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the cross was all about. That's why we do communion every, uh, at least once a month. That's why we do communion, to remember that cross on which Jesus died. The thing is, the fact that Jesus has died for us demands a response from each of us. We have a choice to make whether to receive Christ or to reject Christ. So many people in our world have rejected God. They said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with religion or any of that type of stuff. I'm too busy enjoying my freedom and doing my own thing. And at the end of the day, if I'm not hurting anybody and it feels good, then surely it can't be that bad, eh? Everything that we do has a consequence. Everything that we do, everything that we think has a consequence. Receive Christ into our hearts. I remember doing that when I was a wee boy. I was only six years old. And I remember coming back home from church um, a Sunday night, and I can see the picture in my head, in my room, the window here, the moon shining in the window, and me getting out of my bed and onto my knees and asking Jesus to come into my life to forgive me and to help me to live the way that he wanted me to live. That was where it started for me. I remember going through my teens and coming to a couple of crucial moments where I said, actually, I need to get my life sorted out with God again and actually coming before him. But that was my phone that's binging. I'm being bad. I forgot to switch it off. Okay? Totally surrendered to God and to his plans and purposes for my life. My choice has been to receive Christ even at a very, very early age. But my choice as I've went on in life is to renew that commitment to him day by day. Sometimes we need to make that commitment to him. Okay, yesterday I messed up. The Bible says when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He makes us clean. And today for some people might be a new start but we need to surrender our lives to Christ. Going on in the little booklet, uh, somehow this has stopped working. Could you click uh, the slide, please, Nathan? Until we go to the next one. I have lost my connection with the church laptop, and it's not coming back. This is the problem when you rely on technology. It worked the last two weeks, and I had notes ready uh, beside me, <laughs> and today it's not working. So I'm going to just work on this from now and leave the notes. The, the question is, what decision do we make? What decision have you made, and when did you make that decision? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you made a decision to invite him into your heart? You could say, well, I come to church, don't I? I come to church every Sunday. That's not the same as becoming a Christian. Being in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger, okay? 
Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's a moment where you decide to invite God into your life. And if you can look at what's up on the screen, it starts, and I talked about this over the last couple of weeks, it starts with confession. It starts with agreeing with God's assessment about who we are. We need to be able to listen to God to know what that assessment is. And once we realize what God's assessment is about our lives, we turn around the other way, we repent, we say, I'm sorry for what I've done, I'm going to turn around. So repentance is when I'm walking this way into all the bad stuff in my life. Repentance is when I say, I'm leaving that stuff behind and I'm coming towards God, I'm coming to who he is and I want him to come in to my life and I want him to be in my heart. Have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? Maybe everybody in here has made that decision. I don't know. I don't know exactly where you are. Everybody in your relationship with God, have you made that decision? Have you invited Jesus into your life? Believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and rose from the grave. Because if we believe that and we confess it, then we become part of God's family. But it's the beginning of a journey. We don't stay there it's the beginning of a journey into following God and all that he has for us. It's the beginning of following God. It's the beginning of learning to read our Bibles where we hear from God. It's the beginning of coming to church to worship God and we become part of this thing called the church. Sometimes the church has got it wrong over the centuries, hasn't it? Sometimes the church has got it wrong because the church consists of people like you and people like me. And if you're anything like me, you make mistakes, there are things crop up in your life, into your thinking, things that find a resting place in your hearts. And we get a bit messed up sometimes, even as Christians. But we're invited to come back into that place and to follow God And there's a, a little simple prayer in this booklet. And I'm going to read it out to you because it's not going to... Oh, it's, it has come up on the screen. Thank you, Nathan. Very helpful. So I'm going to read the one on the screen because it's bigger than this one, okay? And I need new glasses. And this is the prayer that we could maybe invite somebody to pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to... That's agreeing with God's assessment. I want to turn from my sins and ask for your forgiveness. That's repentance. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want him to, take, uh, to come into my heart and take control of my life. And I want to trust Jesus as my savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. It's one thing to be able to call Jesus our savior. It's a different thing to be able to call Jesus our Lord. You see, when Jesus becomes our Lord, he's the one who comes into the driving seat, okay? Just imagine I'm in the driving seat. Can you all still see me? There's a steering wheel behind here, okay? You can't see it. It's a secret steering wheel. It's about allowing God to come into the driving seat of our lives and to take control of the direction of our lives. And I've said this before. It's about everything being given to God. The, direct, the whole direction of our lives. Who we date. Did I say this last week or was it the week before? Who we go out with. Boyfriend, girlfriend who we decide to marry, and how we come to that decision, where we work, I think is important because it brings us into contact with people who are maybe in process of coming to pray this prayer. 
And you might be part of that process. You might only sow a little seed thought in their hearts. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. Do you have a heart to win souls for Jesus? If you're part of the family of God, I pray that you have a heart to win souls for Jesus because the Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. We talked about at the start how the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Coming into this relationship with God is where we begin to really understand wisdom. We talked about being in process and how we think and all of these types of things and how we reflect on our experiences and how that gives us wisdom, but we need to be able to listen. And lastly today, thinking about how we listen to other people, the process that they're in, and helping them to come to this place where they make that decision for themselves. Maybe we could close our eyes. Can I just invite the musicians back up? If you want one of these little booklet things, there's some outside in the foyer. Uh, take one and uh, use it to pass on to somebody else, maybe. But let's just bow our hearts and heads in prayer. And... Uh, we just ask, Father, that you would encourage us, that you would inspire us, Father, that you would equip us, that you would challenge us, and Father, that we would hear your voice as it speaks into our heart, and that we would do what you ask us to do. Father, that we would be people who have a real desire to pray for harvesters to come into the field, but also that we would be the harvesters who go into the field. Lord, that you give us wisdom to know how to share your word with other people. Father, help us to do that in a way where we can listen to them and really connect with them, not just to be some random person. Uh, but Father, we pray that we can be somebody significant in their lives, somebody who leads them to Jesus. And so, Father, we pray over our families, we pray over our friends, we pray over our neighbors, we pray over our schools. Father, just take a minute to pray for those who are involved in education that are part of this congregation. Father, about to embark on a new term. Maybe some, some have already begun that journey. And Father, we just pray for those who are involved in education that your hand would be upon them because, Father, they carry such uh, an important role in their lives. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray that you would strengthen them, that you would give them such wisdom to know how to share of their own hearts when the, that moment arises. Lord, we pray over the schools as the boys and girls prepare to go back to school this week. And Lord, we ask that you would just strengthen each one of them. For our young people who go back to Whitburn Academy, Lord, we pray that you bless them and keep them, protect them. Father, that you'd encourage and inspire and enthuse them, that your spirit would come upon them in power, Father. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to be witnesses for you. And Lord, we pray that you would help each of us to be salt and light. Father, to be people who win souls for you. And so, Father, we just give ourselves to you today and we ask that you'd move amongst us, that you would accomplish your purposes in us. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for being part of your family. And, and just before we begin to sing our last song and uh, take up our, our tithes and offerings this morning. Just as every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if there is anyone in here who has never made that decision to, to follow Jesus, to ask Jesus into their life, 
then now is an opportunity for you to do that. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make that decision. And if you've never made that decision before, then I invite you to make that decision today. And maybe you just want to indicate that you've made that decision today by sticking up your hand. We'll pray for you. And we've got a booklet that we want to give you, a Gospel of John that we want to give you as well. If that's you today and you've never made that decision, you've never prayed that prayer, then today is the day of salvation. Father, we pray, help us to be soul winners as we go out into this week. Father, help us to see people the way you see them. Father, we pray that you give us wisdom, that you give us revelation and understanding. Father, that you'd help us to be confident in sharing the good news with others because, Father, our plan, our heart and plan is not to necessarily lead them to the church, but, Father, to lead them into a relationship with you. And so, Father, we pray, give us wisdom as we go out into this week to do these things. And, uh, Father, we pray that as we exercise those spiritual muscles, you'd help us to grow strong and uh, to share our faith with confidence and courage. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.